And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief over at ArrowheadPride.com. I'm joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, it is the first day of winter. Does it feel like it to you? Is it really? Yeah, I haven't been paying any attention. Bus- busy with yeah. the football season. Yeah. Whatever the season, the football season goes through multiple seasons, as you know, starting in the <laughs> summer, it, you got to, you got to really have a, uh, what I would say is a flexible wardrobe because we start in St. Joe in the hot, hot heat. And I mean, it is a sweat fest up there. Then we get back here and you're like, okay, when is the fall going to start? Is there any fall in Kansas city? Boom. It's fall for two weeks. And then it dips a little bit different this year. I feel like it's been mild for, yeah. for longer. And I wouldn't even say it was fall weather. It was this weird spring yeah. fall mix, but I know it's about to happen now as we are on December 21st. And that is, it's going to probably dip to like the twenties for three weeks. And I'm going to have to mm. put on layer uh, upon layer. Anyway, what are we even talking about? Why are we talking about the weather? <laughs> it's the this Midwest. The... We talk about the weather all the that, time. What's the matter right. with you? <laughs> that's right. How's the family? What's going on with the kids? All the grand. Okay. Anyway, this is the Airhead Pride Editor Show. On the show, we'll go through the news. Some not so good news coming through the wire on Monday. So we'll talk all about that. The COVID stuff. We have the snap count takeaways that John has been digging into. Andy Reid spoke to the media on Monday. So we'll get to some of those relevant quotes. We have our real marinated takeaways since it's a, a lot of days away. Now the, the big Thursday night win over the Los Angeles chargers, even though it was a few days ago, I, I know fans have been thinking about it all week, long wait to see the chiefs again after what was clearly their biggest win of the season. We also have the best chiefs thing we heard all week. That is a good one today. I was able to find a good one. I didn't have to go to one of these talking heads on Fox Sports, we have we have a better best Chiefs thing. All right, we have said on this podcast that we will read the Apple reviews. By the way, someone told me I think it was Tom Child told me that you're now able to rate on Spotify. So if you have Apple, oh, well, okay. If you also have Spotify, head on over to Spotify. You know what to do. Five stars for us. I don't think you can write a review on Spotify yet, but. The reviews help, so please review us on Spotify as well. If you write an Apple review, we will read it. And I got to say, and I got to thank the uh, Chiefs fans and, and the listeners, you guys had a lot of reviews this week. So many that I can only read half right now, and I'm going to have to read half at the end of the show because if I read them all right now, it probably would take like six minutes. So we're going to start with half of them. This is from uh, a Chiefs fan in Dallas. His name is Just Work, damn it. Seems like some technological struggles with, with our, <laughs> our friend here. He said, you guys rock, five-star baby. We here in Dallas-Fort Worth need more Chiefs info. So thank you for that review. Okay, let's move on to review number two. This is from E underscore T underscore 13. Middle Tennessee native here. So I'm surrounded by the classless mob of Titans fans in the area. Wow. <laughs> I attended the Chiefs-Titans game back in October, and I received my fair share of backlash and hate, never lost any hope, and the AP Editor Show kept me positive week after week by showcasing all the positives Casey was gaining. We're not talking about COVID tests. Now that the tables have turned, it's nice to see the Titans fans shut up a little. They lost Eric Henry, ET. Come on. Uh, Continuing, the show 
helps me experience the love for my team with you guys. And I appreciate all your takes and knowledge every week. So um, thank you for that review. And one more review, and then we'll read the rest of them at the end of the show. All right. This is from a nickname and a lot of numbers. Really looks like a fake username, the amount of numbers there. I'm a recent (laughs) convert with a different daily chief podcast. And I got to say, this show is easily the best chief podcast available. I left the other unnamed Chiefs podcast because the airtime kept sliding to more ads where I think an episode is about 60% ads on the other show. For what it's worth, I don't even know what, which one he's talking about. Yeah, He, he continues. No yeah. This includes poorly placed ones that awkwardly read. He goes on and on. Um, the radio quality has been going down. So we needed a new show. Anyway, uh, this show has none of those issues. Their ads are brief and well-placed between segments. The audio quality is great. Shout out to Steve Serta behind the scenes here. Everything is done professionally. The hosts have a good variety of personalities, allowing for great conversations, deep cuts with top-tier analysis, the occasional hot take, probably talking about Ron the show, Ugly, uh, brief but enjoyable <laughs> off-topic rants. <laughs> they strike the perfect balance of having a professional show with serious analysis while still having enjoyable hosts who ha- have been able to feel like normal people with their friends giving us a great podcast experience. If you're, experience, if you're looking for a Daily Chiefs podcast, this is it. So um, <laughs> some slights, not against us, it seems like, from nickname, um, but really enjoys our show. So thank you for the review and the five stars. We have three more to read. I will do it at the end of the show. We can't spend uh, that much time, but that, that's been great. That, keep, keep it up. We'll read them on the show. I, I, I have committed to that, and uh, you guys have heard. So if you, if you want to review us, I'll be happy to read it for you guys. All right, let's get into some of this COVID news. Um, not good. The um, Omicron variant, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, probably not, but it has impacted the NFL significantly. We are seeing really the first, I think, significant outbreak this year. Here and there, throughout the 15 weeks of the NFL season, you would have a COVID case pop up. It, it was what it was. But all of a sudden, these positive cases have come into the NFL. We're seeing today, as we're recording, we actually have a double Tuesday night football, Tuesday evening football, because of right. two makeup games that happened stemming from the COVID. We had a double Monday night football. By the way, I'm not going to go into this rabbit hole, but double Monday night football needs to stay, COVID or not. That's for another day. But loved the double Monday night football, not for a good reason, because of the COVID outbreak. We have double Tuesday night football. Uh, more cases uh, from what uh, the newsbreakers have said in these past few days, these four or five days, than than in that stretch than we had in that same type of stretch all of last season. So it is mm-hmm. it's record breaking. Yeah. And let's zone in on the Kansas City Chiefs here. We already had three players who missed last week's game on the COVID list. Chris Jones, Willie Gay, and Josh Gordon. And now there are three more players on the COVID list. And again, significant names. Travis Kelsey. Kicker Harrison Butker and cornerback Charvarius Ward dug into this a little bit. So I can tell you that the Chiefs do believe that they will have Chris Jones, Willie Gay and Josh Gordon back to the roster for Sunday against the Steelers. They aren't aren't completely sure about Travis Kelsey and Charvarius Ward. From what we know, they have mild symptoms and the Chiefs will just have to see if they can pass the testing. There's a shot that they can play. Harrison Butker, I've been told, is not going to play. 
I don't want to speculate too far here. Likely means right. he's un- unvaccinated, probably has to wait at least 10 days. So Elliot Fry, a a journeyman uh, place kicker, will be the kicker for the Chiefs. And John, I'm going to turn to you for a little bit of a lighthearted piece here. Some <laughs> Chiefs fans are a little concerned about this young man's first name. Yeah, well, it's his first name. It's not his last name. I'll just say that if it was, if his last name was Elliot, I would totally understand everybody's concern about it. But no, it's the man's it, first name, Come right? On. And it, it's going to say on. Fry. I mean, who doesn't love a good fr- French fry on the back exactly. of a jersey? And it, exactly. it won't say Elliot. Yeah. So yes, Elliot Fry, undrafted out of South Carolina in 2017, has bounced around Bears, Ravens, Panthers, Buccaneers. He was last with the Atlanta Falcons. He actually had to play a game just like this on. In 2020, when their kicker went onto the COVID list. So he's not unfamiliar with this. In that game, he made a 23-yarder and went one of two and extra points. Now he was playing for the Atlanta Falcons. This is the team that needs a win to continue to ensure that they're going to have the lone AFC bye now that things have uh, broken the Chiefs' way. And so, John, what do you make uh, of all these cases? What was your reaction when you saw all these uh, come down? Well, I mean, uh, you know, there's been so many uh, this week. As you mentioned a minute ago, it's a, a new record for uh, players going on the COVID list in a given week. And there were, what, 32 last week. So, uh, you know, it's like uh, close to 80 in uh, two weeks' time. That's a lot. That's a lot yeah. of players. And it, I don't think there's – I haven't really looked to see, but I have to assume that quite a few of the teams have been uh, have been struck this way. One thing I'll, I, I, I want to mention, it's not that important because we're talking about a practice squad player, but uh, Garrick Dieter was also placed Another on the one, COVID right. list on Saturday. And since he's a practice squad player, it didn't have any impact on the game, and it kind of went without notice. But what it's uh, – you know, we probably should have paid more attention to that. Now that I look back at it, Right. Um, you know, we had three players who were on the list, who were on the active roster. And then this practice squad guy over the weekend, maybe we should have thought, hmm, maybe we're about to have a big thing happen. And uh, that turned out to be the case. So, um, you know, that's seven players on a roster and the Chiefs were already down a couple of players anyway. I believe the roster number right now is 47. <laughs> so um, that's the uh, amount of positive cases across the NFL. The, right, right. The scary, and as I've continued to dig a little bit here, the scary thing I think right now for the Chiefs, right, is well, most of the players are vaccinated, so health first, right? So we right. think everyone sure. eventually is going to be okay because yeah. the the vaccination is high. What becomes scary for this game is I don't know if this is necessarily over. You mentioned Garrick Dieter on Saturday. Mm-hmm. There were yeah. three that came through. Uh, again on monday it is now tuesday there could be more players added if mm-hmm. you really followed the track of the cleveland browns it mm-hmm. was more and more every day and so the chiefs yeah. may not be out of it here and they could be pretty underhanded against the pittsburgh steelers team that needs to win to make the playoffs like the pittsburgh right. steelers are, are not the Jacksonville jaguars they're a team that has to win to maybe get in the mix for that six or seven seed in the AFC. And so something to watch again, I, I think a player of Kelsey's magnitude, it, it it's positive in a way that he was positive earlier in the week. Cause I think it gives him a better chance to, to play remains to be seen uh, what happens here 
right now, again, from what we know, it looks like we know for sure the Chiefs will just have that backup kicker in place, which could impact the game. Good news on the COVID front is, and, and this, this broke some news on Monday as well, in a, in a positive light for the Chiefs, is that Patrick Mahomes um, has his booster shot. If you're unfamiliar with COVID, and, and let me just say this too, and I, I want to get this out of the way. I don't want to be talking about COVID. For people who hate hearing right. about COVID, yeah. this is not something I enjoy talking about. I'd rather just be talking about the football. But it is news, the fact that Patrick Mahomes uh, said he's taken his COVID booster shot whether you believe in, in this stuff or whatever you want to believe, whatever your beliefs are, I think Mahomes, quite honestly, I don't even, you know, who knows what, it, what his politics are exactly. I think he's just doing everything in his power to stay on the field. Yeah. And this is one of those things. In an interview with 610 Sports with Carrington Harrison, a great friend of Arrowhead Pride on the drive, Mahomes appears weekly on the drive with Carrington. And his thing was he has a, a young daughter in the house. He's gotten the booster, wants to be careful there. And he said all he wants to do is try to distance himself as much as possible, put himself in positions to uh, get positive tests and be off the football field like we may see this weekend. So, John, you covered this for us. Patrick Mahomes getting the, that that COVID third shot booster shot. Well, I think it's very clear that uh, Mahomes is trying to control everything that he can. There's very little about this COVID situation that you can actually record uh, that you can actually control right you know getting vaccinated doesn't prevent you from becoming infected all it does is uh, make the effects of the disease less prominent in you that's all it was ever designed to do so you can't stop yourself from getting infected even if you do all the things that you're supposed to do wear masks social distance you can still become infected Mahomes is just doing everything within his power to control it as much as possible And you have to respect that, Uh, regardless of how you feel about these things. uh, You know, this is a guy that is the leader of the offense. He's uh, the highest highest paid player on the team. If he isn't now, he will be eventually. Um, He's certainly the most prominent player on the team. And he's being a leader here. He's saying we all need to do what we can to minimize the impact of this thing as much as possible. And I think you have to respect that. So Patrick Mahomes gets the booster we are are thinking that that maybe can help to keep him off the COVID-19 list again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit, I mean, this is all speculative. We don't really know enough about this disease that surfaced two years ago to know how much that'll help him. Will it help him stay off the COVID list? But I, I think, I think he's probably taking the approach like just in case it does, I'm going to do right. I'm going to take that measure. So Again, we will follow this COVID story. We'll see who'll be on or off the field for the Chiefs as they take on the Pittsburgh Steelers at home uh, in the late afternoon window. Some better news for Travis Kelsey, aside from being on the COVID-19 list, is he was named as one of the first five to the NFL's Pro Bowl. What's wild about this is that Travis Kelsey has now been named to seven Pro Bowls in a row. That is incredible. And he was a part of the first five because... It was obvious the NFL is building up the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas, and this was a a push, it seemed like, by the league to advertise the Pro Bowl. They had five billboards go up in Vegas to promote this, and Brady was, I'm sorry, Kelsey joined Tom Brady, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and Jonathan Taylor as the first five. I mean, those are the biggest names in the league right now when it comes to playing well in 2021. 
And so well-deserved Kelsey, also the hero of Thursday night football the other night with that 36 yard uh, overtime touchdown, Jeff. Arguably the best game of his career. And of course he also now has gone over a thousand yards for what is it? I always have to look this up every year because I can't remember from one year to the next. It's the sixth consecutive thousand yard season, right? Which yes. no other tight end has ever done. So no other so, tight end has ever done four. Right. Which is, so Kelsey has gone above and beyond. So yeah, the only other tight end to have three seasons in a row of 1,000 yards or more. John, do you know it? A little trivia? Um. I think it's one of the older guys. I don't think it was TG, was it? No, no. It is a commentator right now. His name is Greg Olson. I know a lot of people would think that it's Gronk. Right, right. It's not not Gronk. So Gronk hasn't even done three. Greg Olson did three. Kelsey has done six. So no one's done four or five or six, but Travis Kelsey. When it comes from a production standpoint, I don't know how you could argue that Travis Kelsey is not the greatest tight end of all time just Mm -hmm. with that fact blocking will come into it and and people will try to make the case for rob gronkowski in that sense but i I think even as the years have gone on kelsey has improved in that fashion and and this is just another accolade on on a long list for kelsey yeah what's wild about it in kansas city is in a small sense i think how great kelsey is is a little bit overshadowed by the fact that he's probably playing with the greatest quarterback of all time, if not one of them, you know, and we always focus and zone in on Mahomes. What Kelsey is doing is just incredible. Like, you know, especially I think in Kansas city, just because you watched Tony here and you just sort of like, no one is ever going to be like Tony. And it's amazing (laughs) that like just years later, someone's actually better than Tony. So I, I find that interesting. All right. Um, John, I know you've been digging into these snap counts from Thursday night. Anything stick out to you that is worth noting here? Well, I'm not all the way through it yet. I was working okay. on it when we sat down to record the podcast. So uh, I'll give you a little preview of the sure. things that, uh, that, we're, that we're already noticing as we go through this. Um, one of them is, is that Nick Bolton was on the field for uh, virtually every defensive play. It was either 99 or 100%. And that essentially is all the defensive plays. He's clearly yeah. out there for everything. Um, and that was because they were short a linebacker. That's obviously part of the equation. Um, Anthony Hitchens was in there more or less the normal amount of time. Ben Neiman's snaps uh, were down. And for the first time, uh, in a long time, he was used more as uh, on running plays than on passing plays, which was kind of a significant departure. So the Chiefs really uh, put their money down on Nick Bolton in this game, and he certainly uh, <laughs> put in a great game. I mean, he 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 showed that he was uh, worthy of that confidence uh, as the uh, as he went on the field as a rookie. So that was a that was a pretty interesting thing. Uh, another thing was that they didn't depend on tight end formations, heavy formations with multiple tight ends on the field as much as they have in other games. So, uh, Kelsey's snaps were more or less in the normal range, but Blake Bell's and Noah Gray's both went down. Um, but that was because they weren't using tight ends as often to help out Andrew Wiley over in right tackle. They didn't feel they needed to do that with Lucas Niang back on the field for this game. So that was another thing uh, that I noticed right away. 
And we also uh, saw f- uh, more linebacking play in this game to go along with what we were talking about with Bolton. And that's something that we haven't seen for quite a while. More recently, they've depended more on the back end of the secondary. Uh, but in this game, they depended more on linebackers against the Chargers than they have for a while. So that's another thing that I hadn't haven't really fully worked through all the details on that yet. But okay. um, but that's another thing that we that we saw in this game. I'll react to the offensive line first quickly, and then I'll I'll get your point about Bolton. I think it's pretty clear that the Chiefs feel like they have their offensive line set yeah. now, and not just set for um, what will be the stretch of this mm-hmm. season. This is the line for a while. I mean, I yeah. at least ideally, this is you know Brown. We'll we'll see about his contract, but I expect him to be here. I think he's done enough. I, I know that there's been some issues with with the pass blocking, but I think he's improved enough for the Chiefs to go in on him the interior is obvious with with tooney and and humphrey and smith the fact that that mm-hmm. humphrey and smith are rookies is is a huge advantage same thing can be said for niang who as you mentioned even in the snap counts is is clearly going to be the right tackle moving forward and so the chiefs go from um having an embarrassing offensive line one that lost them the super bowl in embarrassing fashion to a solid line and certainly one that should buy in the top 10, maybe the top five in the league moving forward. And, and what's impressive about that is just how young it is. A lot of mm-hmm. these guys are in their early twenties. Joe Tooney is the elder statesman. I believe he's 28 or 29. If I'm not yeah. mistaken there. So uh, point on Bolton. So, you know, Bolton has kind of had these greater snap games in a, in a spot starting sense. I'm not sure if he gets that amount of playing time. Maybe he does because as you were about to kind of go into the linebacker play, which I, I, I can understand that you're, you're still kind of working through, but he needs to be on the field, whether Willie Gay is available or not. If you just simply look at the tackle numbers and I am, I'm there with you, everybody. I, I know that, that, that the box score doesn't really tell you everything. Nick Bolton has 102 tackles. You know how many tackles is next? 65. Tyron mm-hmm. Matthew at 65. Yeah. That is wild. That is wild. Yeah. Quick math, and I'm not good at math. I think that's 37 more than the rest of the team, and that's some guy that has not really been playing as much. All that leading much, in, right. Leading into yeah. this game is like 25-ish percent, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Nick Bolton should be, you know, I know that Steve Spagnuolo has his guys that, that play 100% of the snaps. Nick Bolton needs to be one of them. I, I, I just don't know how you can come out of just what I just said and be like, yeah, no, uh, we're going to go with Anthony Hitchens and Willie Gay and, and Ben Neiman on the, in the dime. No, the answer, you can't do it anymore. Like you just can't. It's, how can you look at that and be like, we got to, we got to, you know, work Bolton in. Well, what are you, what are we talking about? Well, I think it's, I think it's easy to look at the tackle numbers and first of all, tackle numbers are never quite right. I mean, I, they are the least yeah, know, they are least reliable statistic in the NFL. Okay. The thing that I find that's that's cool about that, that you've got a linebacker with that those kinds of tackle numbers, it used to be that the safeties were the ones that had those big tackle numbers. Hmm. And you don't want to see that. You don't want to see those safeties coming up with a lot of tackles. You want to see those tackles being made in the front seven. So I think that's great that we've got a player who can make those tackles in the second level rather than in the third level of the defense. Right. That's so a that's, sign of a growing defense for sure. That's right. That's right. And so I think that's a, a, a great aspect to this. 
Now, as to whether or not Hitchens needs to be on the field, you know, people have not wanted Hitchens for a long time. I get that. And, um, uh, you know, he has played better in recent weeks than we've typically seen him. He's been making more plays, um, you know, but there's this long history where he looks like he's slow and out of position and isn't the most athletic linebacker out there. I'll agree with you in one way. And that is if Bolton is in a position to call the defense as well as Hitchens does, then I would absolutely agree that he needs to be the, the guy who's on the field most of the time at the second level. But I don't know if he's there yet as far as Spagnolo is concerned. And uh, if he isn't, I could see why they would be reluctant to put him out there all the time. Uh, unless yeah. there's a, an unusual situation like we saw this last weekend with Gay out. Well, everything that Spagnolo and, and the team says, uh, he, he carries himself like a veteran. And in those yeah. starts where he's had to go in for Hitchens, which the Chiefs are fortunate to have as they go into this offseason, uh, he's played well. And it, it seems yeah. like there really was no drop off. As a matter of fact, it, it looked like the defense might even be stronger. And, uh, you know, John. Maybe better than any reason I could babble about here. There's eight and a half million reasons uh, why the Chiefs should go <laughs> and lean into um, Bolton as that guy next year. And I absolutely, just think I think he showed yeah. enough. Uh, you know, regardless of my, maybe he's not as ready and and understand the defense as well. I, I think the Chiefs are going to look at well, we have the entire offseason to make sure he is. And so I think you are, regardless of even how well he might play down the stretch and and in the postseason as we go here. I think these are the final days of Anthony Hitchens. Similar, right. uh, similar reason to feel how I feel about Frank Clark. Frank Clark has turned right. it on. He looked great, healthy. It's just going to be too much money to to pass up in a sense. I I, I completely agree with that. I don't think there's any question about the fact that uh, that Bolton's ability makes Hitchens' days numbered for the right. for the eight and a half million reasons that you mentioned, and what are there like twenty six million reasons for? for <laughs> The Chiefs did. Yeah. Whatever the number is, it's large for so Frank you, Clark. And, you know, and he yeah. has been, you know, sometimes he's made you, a big uh, difference. Sometimes you got to throw the fish back into the sea, and sometimes that yeah. fish is a shark. And uh, yeah. that might be happening. <laughs> uh, John, I didn't put this on the, the outline. The playoff uh, percentage now is it, sky high, right? We, yeah. We, oh, we, yeah. We are at a point where uh, you called it. <laughs> I thought this was pretty good. You called it the Christmas miracle edition of the <laughs> playoff calculator. Why did you why did you go in that direction this week? Well, because uh, because it was a long list of things that needed to happen uh, for the Chiefs uh, to be in a position to uh, control their own destiny to get the number one seed in the playoffs, which we all want the Chiefs to do for the fourth consecutive year. I might add. Wow. Um, and all of those things have happened now over the space of what three weeks, I think it was, um, and including two of them over the weekend. Uh, three, if you want to count the Pittsburgh win over the Steelers, uh, excuse me, the Pittsburgh win over the Ravens. Um, this is like when Eric Bianami said the Kansas City Chiefs kicked the Kansas City Chiefs' ass. Is that the <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, 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 you know, the odds of those games, the Chiefs beating the Chargers, uh, and the other three games happening, it works out to like one in 10 or one in 12, depending on which, which numbers, which probabilities you're using to feed that calculation. 
it ends up being a pretty low probability for all those things to happen uh, on one weekend. And I'm sorry, that makes it a miracle. I know yeah. people wanted to argue with me about it. Well, the Titans weren't that great a team anyway. <laughs> okay, fine. So even if the even if the possibilities were different, it's still a low probability for all those games to happen at once. And what else can you call it in the week before Christmas but a Christmas miracle? So I love it. Um, the Chiefs now have a greater than 99% chance to make yeah. the postseason. Um, as you said, 95% six straight AFC title, 59% to win the AFC by the thing about the AFC by and you know again we'll see about these COVID cases as the week goes on is they should be favored in every game moving forward mm-hmm. yeah which has to make you feel good if you're a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs well at least you know there's a there are there are a lot of other teams dealing with these problems right and Everyone, uh, it isn't an even playing field but it, it in a way these surprises could pop up for any team at any point right now it seems like yeah for for a couple of weeks it looked like there was just a few teams that had outbreaks but now it looks like it's happening all across the league and that's trend i think is going to continue over the next couple of weeks so hopefully it'll be a situation where no particular team is impacted in such a substantial way that it messes up with their messes up their playoff their chances i'd hate to see that you know what Christmas miracle? I want COVID eradicated. That would be a nice Christmas. That'd miracle. be nice. That, yeah. would, that would be great. And and for Kevin McAllister, of course, getting his his family back. All right. We well, that's the news. And uh and we've gone through it. When we come back, we will go through Andy Reid's Monday afternoon press conference on Zoom. Stay with us. It's the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. It's the first day of winter. John has a nice red Chiefs fleece on. I'm trying to go (laughs) a little bit more fashionable. Probably not pulling it off correctly, but I got a more fashionable. What are you talking about? I got like a grouffit on. Um, really more fashionable than this. Really, (laughs) what you're talking about, dude? That's that like McDonald's. If you if you're not watching the video, John has like a (laughs) McDonald's version of you know those old school Chiefs leaning into the yellow part. Anyway, um, but here we are on the first day of winter, and we're talking we're talking about Andy Reid. And what's fun about this is Andy Reid's first quote that I I thought was interesting was. Man, this weekend he was just a fan like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, I watch the games. I mean, I, the, there were great games to watch, you know. So, um, 
I was a viewer, uh, like everybody, because uh, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have the guys here. So, um, but I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the competition and I know how it lines up. I mean, I see that, but uh, the important thing is that we take care of our business now, uh, like we've been doing the last few weeks and, um, you know, don't count on anybody but ourselves. Therefore, you got to go back through the process and the hard work and all those things to get yourself right for the game. So, yeah, Sandy Reid was watching these games. I don't know if he was jumping up and down like you might have been as uh, these these results were happening on Saturday night and, and then on Sunday as the Pittsburgh Steelers were knocking off the Tennessee Titans. But Andy Reid was was well in tune of, of these games over the weekend, knowing what was at stake. Yeah, you got to love that in a head coach that he can take the time over the weekend to watch a game. <laughs> you know, it's good for the coach to get a break where you can just sit down and watch a football game. We always think these guys are, are working all the time. And the first thing that I thought of when I saw that is like, you had time to spend watching a football game? Good for you, buddy. Good for you. Well, I'm I'm sure he was really zoning in onto the Steelers. So it was a two birds and one stone situation for him in a sense. He needed the Steelers to win. And he also was evaluating them at the same time. The, 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 The best, a real yin yang, if you will. All right, let's get into his next quote. Uh, We had mentioned the Chiefs were able to accomplish this win against the Chargers without Willie Gay, without Chris Jones, and without wide receiver Josh Gordon. But Jerry Sneed was also absent. That's another big name. It wasn't for COVID, still with those personal reasons, dealing with that family tragedy. And here's what Andy Reid had to say about that. Yeah, well, listen, I'm I'm proud of the guys and the the effort that they put forward. Uh, They had a good week of practice, and it was short. um, And then they went out and played. And I thought both teams played very competitively. It was a heck of a game. Uh, to look at and um, and to be a part of. So, uh, but I'm glad our guys persevered and the ball bounced the right way a couple of times for us and and we were able to come out with a win. Uh, but that's a good football team that the Chargers have. So, um, you know, they, they, they've done a heck of a job there too. The Chargers led 21 to 13, of course, before uh, the Chiefs rallied back. And I think this is the key part of Andy Reid's presser. And I know we're all pumped up, but now it becomes a challenge for Andy Reid to keep his team locked in on that one mm-hmm. game at a time. Yeah. And here was his comment about the Chiefs and, and how you can be excited, but maybe not too excited. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can be I'm not going to tell you you can't be excited to be in that position, uh, but uh, you better understand what got you in that position. And and uh, uh it wasn't being giddy about it. It was about working. And so uh, we've got, we've got enough senior leadership here to where that, uh, that will resonate, I think, amongst the young guys, the new guys. So um, I think we'll be okay that way. Uh, And we surely will once we start practicing, you know, we'll make sure of that. To me, this is the best part of Andy Reid, John. It's like that not getting too high, or too low type of, of deal. And I think that to me is the key to how the Chiefs just make the postseason almost every year. I mean, they've only missed it the one year out of all the years since 2013. I'm not gonna I'm not about to do that, Matthew. If you think I'm crazy like crazy if I'm not doing that math. But they've only missed the one year 
out of all the years that Reed has been here since 2013. And, and to me, that's a credit of like, we got to continue to work every day, every week. And I, I think it's just such an underrated part of his, his program in Kansas City. Well, everybody likes to talk about um, football coaches and what they think their best thing is. And to me, this is the, I, I agree. This is a really cool thing that this low key understated approach has become so important in Reed's success. I mean, when you've put together the kind of record that he has here in Kansas city, and obviously some of it has to do with Patrick Mahomes, but let's not forget that still most of the years he's been here, Alex Smith was the quarterback. Let's not forget that he's had this record of success for such a long time that you've got to think, okay, Reed has got to be a big piece of this. And there's hardly anything of his coaching style that is more distinctive than this every game is the same, you know, live by the routine approach that he takes. So you you pretty much have to put the success largely down to that factor. I love it. I, I, I'm consistently impressed by it. I can't imagine how hard this is to do with young guys who are so easily worked up about stuff and who are, you know, they're on social media and they're doing all this stuff. They always say they aren't, but some of them are even when they say they aren't. And oh, I've yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it'd be really hard to really sell that to your players and get them to buy in. So that's impressive to me too. Not only the approach, but how hard it would be to accomplish. And he, he seems to be able to do it. It's very, it's amazing to me. As the Chiefs offense has tried to fix itself week after week, one thing that has stayed consistent and consistently successful has been Andy Reid's opening script. Andy Reid and, and Eric Bieniemy and Mike Kafka and the offensive crew, they devise these 15 plays. We've talked about it on the editor's show. I'm sure it's been discussed on, on our other shows here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network and Andy Reid was asked about how flexible it can become based upon uh, how the game goes at the beginning here. Here was his answer. Yeah, no, you stay flexible with it, but, and, and you don't, uh, there's not a lot of repeat things that, that go on there. So uh, from week to week, you, they're situated for the team. They're normally situated for first, second down thoughts. And, um, you know, so that's, that's kind of how we go about it. And then you've got your third down, red zone, goal line, all that stuff, short yards on another in another area on your game plan sheet. So I thought this was a little bit eye-opening. I mean, I never thought it was okay um, no matter what happens in a game. Right. We're just going <laughs> to like third and 12. <laughs> no, we're going to do that halfback dive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought this was a little bit eye-opening and interesting because – from what you can tell here, they have an opening script, but if you get to a third down, as I just mentioned, mm -hmm. red zone or goal line could be short yardage, they can go off it, and it, it kind of seems like they could come back to it. So it's an opening script with, the, I think, a little bit of fine print, which makes sense, right? Like, But it, mm -hmm. it is interesting to hear Andy Reid say that. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. I mean, I think there's a perception that it is just a list of plays that they're going to execute one after the other, no matter what happens. And and that clearly is not the case. Right. I mean, even if you if even if you designed it to be uh, a script that you're going to run no matter what, 
you would be in circumstances where you had to, to, to divert from it. The key thing to remember about this thing has always been that the whole purpose of it is to see how the defense is going to react to those opening plays. And I, I, and then make adjustments based on what you see. And so when people say, Oh, well, they just can't call plays after the opening script. They can't just, you know, and then there's this argument about whether Reed's calling the plays or be enemies calling the plays. And, you know, one of them has to give it up or else the, the team is doomed. No, I think what, really what's going on is that they're not doing a good enough job of making those adjustments, of recognizing what they see when they run these scripted plays. Now, I don't know what that means exactly. Does that mean that the Chiefs need to have somebody else who's better at making snap decisions about how to do these things? Does that mean they bring in an assistant next year whose only job is to make adjustments on the fly during the game? I could see that. You know, I could see how it might be possible for a guy like Andy Reid to be at this for so long that he's not as good at it as he used to be. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. But I don't see it as something that is a is a something they can't come back from, um, which I think a lot of people see is like, well, if they can't, you know, do better at this play calling with what they want to call it uh, after the opening drive, then then we're doomed. I don't think so. They've been very successful doing it this way. Could they be better? Absolutely. But I'm not sure it's just about, you know, not being good at calling plays after those first 15. I think this version of the 2021 Chiefs is, is just better when there's more balance. And I think in the first 15, yeah. there's been more balance. And I don't know right. if I, we don't know the dynamics, right? But right. is, is right. it Eric the enemy speaking up more and being like, man, let's run the damn ball? You know, like right now, right. I, you don't know. I mean, th that's some of the, 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 the things that we don't know. Right, we don't right. hear what's on the on the headset until it gets released from NFL films. Like if you go back to the Super Bowl, like I always thought that exchange on the Wasp play, like I I don't think it made the enemy look good. It just looked look, he made he he to, like in in that and this might have just been one play and and whatever, but mm -hmm. he just looked like a middleman. And I wonder sometimes too, like in, in the greater debate of like why is Eric the enemy still in Kansas City? He's a leader of men, and, he, and he, we know all that. It's just like how much, how much involvement does he truly have in the play? And the greatest film, or the the most passed around film in the NFL, uh, as far as the play that goes into what the Chiefs were able to accomplish in nineteen, since his tenure, he's like relaying a message from Mahomes to someone else. Like, do we yeah. have time to even do that? It just doesn't make him look good. And so I, I don't know. I know I'm tail spinning into a whole nother thought about a whole nother topic. So I don't want to go too far, but again, maybe it's, it's just a reminder. Like we, we can, we need to continue to run the ball. Like let's get Clyde going. Let's get Daryl going. All right. The chiefs play the Steelers this weekend. I thought this was interesting. Andy Reid has a lot of respect for the game. He has a lot of respect for the hall of fame. I think you can make a case that Mike Tomlin might have another, uh, might have a case himself for what he's been able to do in Pittsburgh rightfully. So, mm -hmm. so you have yeah. two, like definite Hall of Famer in Andy Reid, probable Hall of Famer in Mike Tomlin. They're going head to head this weekend. Here were Andy Reid's words on Mike Tomlin. Yeah, so I, Mike is very honest with his guys, and I, I think very honest with his judgment of his players. Um, and, and so that becomes important. Uh, you know, he he loves his guys up. I mean, he's a player's coach and all that, but at the same time, he's realistic. Realistic, and he's not afraid to tell a guy. 
listen, you're probably creeping up on the end here, you know, and, uh, and or keep them around uh, during a negotiation. You know, we probably need this guy to be here. But I think that communication with their general manager, I think, is, is healthy. And, and then the players know that. I mean, you don't hear people complaining about how he does things. So, uh, so I think he keeps he shoots them straight. The thing I loved about this quote, John, is that Andy Reid and Mike Tomlin do things very differently as far as how they mm-hmm. handle the media. You know, I, I, I'd say that Tomlin is a little bit more loud and verbally enthusiastic than maybe Andy Reid, who you'd make a case. Typically, there are, there are moments, but he's typically more mild mannered than Tomlin mm-hmm. is. Uh, but you could tell that he. He, he respects Tomlin and Tomlin has a way of doing things and it works for him. And I, I love that Reed notices that and, and sort of respects it in a way. And I, I like seeing these two head coaches, like taking any chiefs bias out of it. I like seeing these two head coaches go at it in a game on Sunday. That really is going to matter a lot for both teams. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, and you know, Patrick Mahomes talked yesterday about, how the chiefs made plays because their backs were against the wall. Well, you got to watch out for that against the Steelers this weekend because their backs are against the wall and they've got some quality players on that team and that defense. I mean, people want to rag them down, but they looked pretty good to me in that game on Sunday and they made opportunistic plays at key points in the game, just as we've seen the chiefs defense do during this streak of wins so I'm a little concerned about uh, about this game, probably more so than you would normally be just looking at the records. And, uh, you know, Roethlisberger, he may be old, but he's wily, and uh, and he's going to be ready to, to get his team to go. And I think yeah. Tomlin will be too. So I, I think the thing that I've learned about the Steelers this year is they just, like, don't die. So I, <laughs> I fully expect <laughs> for the, the Chiefs to get a lead. I really do. I, and, and, you know, it could, they could go up 14 nothing, They could go up 17 nothing, And then all of a sudden the Steelers just keep grinding away. The Steelers yeah. are this team, and I said this on the SB Nation NFL show. If, if you're a fan of the whole league, by the way, listen to us on the SB Nation NFL show. I do the Monday show with RJ Ochoa of the Cowboys site, blogging the boys. The Steelers are a team where you watch them on Sundays, and they look like they're a terrible football team. You turn mm-hmm. back to the game, and they're winning by three points. Like It doesn't yeah. make any sense. They grind out games, and you just like can't sleep on them and what they can do quickly, which is remarkable because, you know, the eye test is like, this team shouldn't be 500. They should be well under 500, but they hang around and then they find a way to get you. They did it against the Tennessee Titans on Sunday to to help the Chiefs. But see, that's the same point we were just making about Andy Reid. They've been that way for a long time. Right. And if you see a team, you know, season in, season out with changes in personnel and so on and so forth to be able to have that consistent record of success. You got to look at the head coach and, and yeah, I get there are people who don't like Mike Tomlin. Okay. I get that, but the guy has done it and he's done it successfully for a long time. And you got to respect that. And you have to pay attention to that when you're getting ready to play him because he could, he could come out and, and whoop you if you're not paying attention. No, no doubt about it. It should be a good game on Sunday. It's the chiefs and the Steelers late afternoon slate on 
in a, in a lot of ways what is a pseudo playoff game between the two teams. Mm-hmm. The Steelers trying yeah. to make the playoffs, the Chiefs trying to lock up, not having to play on Wild Card Weekend, which we know is an, an even bigger advantage now uh, that there is only one bye in each conference. When we come back, we have our marinated takeaways from the Chiefs and Chargers. We have the best Chiefs thing we heard all week and more reviews. Stay with us. It's the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We are going back, back to Cala, California for our marinated takeaways <laughs> of the <laughs> Sorry, butchered that. The Chiefs and the Chargers, right? It was a huge win for, for Kansas City, uh, 34 to 28 in overtime. Still hate the overtime rules, even though it benefited the Chiefs. The Chargers need to touch the football. I would have said yeah. the same thing if the Chargers won this game in overtime by a touchdown. Don't know why that isn't fixed. Don't know why the clock says 10 minutes at the beginning. Like, why is it not a full 15 minutes? You would have less ties. I'm not going to get into that. That that's a that's a marinated takeaway that has been oh, but brewing. You, but you for just did get into it. Years. I, I know. I keep <laughs> this is this is the first day of winter rabbit hole show. I keep get finding myself in these topics that I have more to say about that are it's not the topic at hand. Okay. Let's get into the marinated takeaways for Thursday night football. John, I'll start with you. What uh, jumps out now that maybe you've had a, a few days to think about this game? Well, uh, this is another thing that I discovered while looking at the snap counts this morning. Um, you know, everybody thought the Chiefs are going to come out and run the ball in this game because the Chargers running defense was not very good. And it was seemed like an opportunity for the Chiefs to go out there and and put a lot of yards on the ground, uh, a lot of yards uh, rushing, rushing yeah. uh, with the with their running game and maybe get back to something, you know, more balanced. Well, that's not what happened. Seventy one percent of the Chiefs' plays were uh, <laughs> passing plays. And it's not the highest it's been all season, but it's the second highest. Right. And uh, and much higher than it's been the last two games. In week 13 and 14, it was 56% one week, 47% another week. Meanwhile, the Chargers are at 50%. They evenly divided their passing plays and their running plays. And they were successful doing that. I don't know. You know, Ron Kopp uh, in his analysis yesterday uh, said, you know, I don't know, maybe we, we can't count on this for the chiefs. And that might be right, but it doesn't make any sense to me. We've got on the offensive line guys who can play well enough to open up some holes for our running backs. Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't we seeing some, you know, eye formation stuff with Mahomes know. under center where we're just powering it down the middle? We have the beef to do that now. That's right. Why do we have to make it these RPO things that Mahomes is going to turn into passing plays? Because that's the way he's wired. You know, there should be some where we're doing traditional play action and uh, it just gets me worked up. It, it bugs me that we don't have better balance and it doesn't have to be that much different. I'm not saying that it needs to be 50% every week. I'm not saying that at all. But when we go so far to the pass, I think it's not the best. I think it it, it helps the other team 
defend against Mahomes. I think if we could run the ball more often and more effectively, the Chiefs would be in a better position to get the most out of Mahomes. That's just my two cents. <laughs> when you said the beef thing, I, I couldn't help but think for our older listeners about where's the beef? <laughs> if you're young, you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, but, but, probably just as well. Yeah, forget about it. It's on the Chiefs offensive line, which they're not using. I, I think that's a decent point, and you know, I continue to go back. Now, this game may be a little bit different. It's hard to just take, I think, this game in a microscope only because the Chiefs were trailing. You know, a lot of it. Right. Right. That's late, part of so it. Absolutely. They felt yeah. like they had to throw it. And and that kind of skewed the numbers. Uh, my sure. first marinated takeaway is. So I, I think there is this fine line between Patrick Mahomes, <clears throat> happy feet and Patrick Mahomes backyard ball. And yeah. what I think the Chiefs saw toward the end of last year was he was falling into the happy feet a little bit too much and they needed to correct it. The truth of the matter is he's his best when he's playing the backyard ball, which is what we saw at the end of the game like that, that it was like Mahomes unleashed to me. It was Mahomes not thinking and just using as athleticism. And they sort of in a way, it seemed like they needed him to go out and win the game. And he did, you know, just that with the touchdown pass and the two point conversion and, um, you know, that that two point conversion was like vintage Pat. I, yeah. I don't know where where, you know, he just extend, 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 extend pass that no one in the world can make clear conversion. Right. And and to me, I I think the Chiefs have a really big challenge with Mahomes. And this is probably what they've been going through all year. And I, I think this game was a microcosm of like, we need to get him to play in structure more. That is mm-hmm. true. But at the same time, we can't lose that X factor, which is also true. And it's like, how do you teach that? I don't know Mm -hmm. how you even get to that point, but it seemed like this game was the closest that they have been. Like he stayed in structure when he needed to, but when it was go time and they had to go get the W finally that old Mahomes uh, shine through. And like, I, I think I'm saying microcosm because like that pass to McCall Hardman was in a sense, like maybe it's too much instruction. Like this is exactly how the play is supposed to run. Oh, I got to get it out. Got to get it out. But then he's, he's better when he's not playing within the play. So I, I don't know. I, I just rambled for a minute there, but I think you kind of get what I'm saying. <laughs> how confusing must it be for him and the coaching staff to have to kind of live in both worlds? You know what I mean? Yeah, well, this is this has clearly been the problem all season. You know, they've talked about it, how they need to take what's given to them, and Mahomes need to adjust needs to adjust to that concept and and put away his instincts. So this is, you know, they've talked about it all year. And the marinated takeaway I was about to bring up is in in line with this. And and then what we saw at the end of the game is what we want to be able to see, that he's been able to play within the structure most of the time to keep the, you know, to to keep things going, but be able to step out of it effortlessly and be the player that he was, uh, that that, that he has been uh, through the first, you know, three seasons of his career. Uh, when he's, you know, blown everybody away. And you're right. This is a very difficult thing to cheat, teach. 
But, you know, we've just been raving about how difficult it is for Andy Reid to teach his players to treat every game the same. If Reid is good, a good enough coach to do that, he's a good enough coach to train Patrick Mahomes to find that balance within himself. And I think on, on Thursday, we saw what that could look like down the road. And what that looks like is a very, very dangerous offense. <laughs> I mean, right. uh, you know, you look at what they did yeah. in, what, four minutes of game time? Man. All right, we are up against it, so I'm going to do some speed takeaways here. I was at this game in L.A. Kansas City Chiefs fans travel well, and I'm starting to wonder how many fans are just growing up in other cities where they just like to watch Pat, and you know he's mm. getting a little bit of that Michael Jordan stuff because I, I think you're seeing and hearing Chiefs fans in every city, and that can't just be Chiefs fans going to every game. I mean, granted, I'm sure that a lot do, right? You find a way to travel. If you know someone in the area, you go to the game. But there were moments, especially at the end of that game, where the cheers were so loud for the Kansas City Chiefs. It almost felt like mm-hmm. a home game. It kind of reminded me of like my going to Miami for what was the Super Bowl, and just it sounded like arrowhead at moments. And I, I really felt mm-hmm. that way about SoFi. And then finally, my my last point here, I talked about how important Travis Kelsey was uh, in this game. I talked about Nick Bolton. I just want to commend the defense as a whole. We m- mentioned the three starters and the three key players that they were they're missing, and it wasn't a perfect outing. You expected them to give up points. Justin Herbert is the real deal. And I think what's really going to be is. interesting is I, I think this Herbert Staley thing is 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 the the Joker to Mahomes' Batman. I and I <laughs> and I think the way they play can be incredibly frustrating for what will be uh, the opposing defense. Going for it on five fourth downs and converting two. They convert one more, the Chargers probably win this game. And they're going to be doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And so this is going to be a maddening team to play. It's I project it to be worse than the Phillip Rivers teams where you just couldn't stand Phillip Rivers. This is going to be more annoying because Herbert is actually better than Rivers, in my opinion. And I, I think the way that Staley is going to have them going for it and seemingly, you know, in a game where they make more than 50% of the fourth downs, they probably win the game. Um, you may see Chiefs and Chargers in the playoffs. Now, I don't know if we saw the last Chiefs-Chargers game this year either so um, that's distinctly possible yeah yes we'll see um but yeah what what a game and game of the year for sure maybe of the nfl season and uh good for the chiefs to get that 34 to 28 win all right steve let's go into the best chiefs thing we heard all week the charger 34 a td wins it Mahomes takes the snap at his right thigh dumps it over the middle caught by kelsey at the 30 spins back up hey kelsey at the 15 yard line kelsey at the 10 five Travis Kelsey, the best tight end to ever play in this league. That's what I'm talking about, boy. And the Chiefs take a commanding two-game lead in the AFC West. So we asked Patrick Mahomes what he said to Travis Kelsey after the game as they were embracing. And Mahomes said, I just told him I love them. And I'm like, that cannot be true. He did not go up to him and say, I love you. But there it was on NFL Films. <laughs> Mahomes does not lie at the podium, apparently. He said, I love you. And then greatness, baby, greatness. And that is just, um, I don't know, man. That makes you smile if you're a Chiefs fan. This this tandem is up there with the greats. I think you throw Tyree Killen in there. And I, I know that Carrington said this this week on a show, but I, I completely agree. This is one of the historical trios of the NFL. And I, and I yeah. really like, I really look at, at, at Mahomes and Kelsey in the same light that I do 
Brady and Gronk or um, what would be like Peyton and, and Dallas Clark. Like this is a legit one, two punch. And, you know, Kelsey's 32 does not seem to be slowing down. I, I bet you at least get another two to three years out of this. And who knows, maybe he goes into the Tony realm and plays another five years, but uh, enjoy it because the, these two guys and their relationship, I think is, is pretty special for Chiefs fans. And I think you have to mention Mitch Holthus there. Goodness gracious. What yeah, a call. I, I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I zoned in more so on the exchange, yeah. but yeah, I mean, yeah. he remains to be the best. Been been at it since 1994, and he sounds like it's his first day on the job uh, yeah. every single time. So I, I find that impressive. All right. I have to get into these final reviews. I said I would do it at the end um, as well. Um, here we go. <laughs> Arrowhead Pride is a great show that I listen to every day. Show MBK is my favorite show followed by the British show. I think they bring a ton of diversity. The show is hilarious. And who doesn't like a British um, accent? And then <laughs> this guy, I'm not going to pronounce his username. No idea what it is. But he, he suggested that we use different personalities for the post game. Hey, which we may. Thank you for the suggestion. We'll take it into account. Um, this is from Hockey Fizzle 85. As a Chiefs fan living in enemy territory, Denver since 93, it's difficult to get any perspective on the Chiefs here. Out of structure, the editor show, British show, show and BK are awesome. Listening to your shows gets me through workouts and my work week. Thank you, Arrowhead Pride, for all you all you guys do. It keeps the Chiefs fan in, in ding dong donkey land the same. <laughs> same. Um, never heard ding dong donkey land, but I am a fan. Okay. And then finally, this is from Clangster. Uh, he asked haters. I don't know who the hater was that didn't like show and BK. I love that show and their interaction. I missed them on 610, and I'm thankful to Pete for bringing them back. Pete, your show is pretty good, too. And then a wink face. Okay. Clankster, easy. Uh, he <laughs> also added, seriously, I love what you have done with Arrowhead Pride. I love all the podcasts, and he called it a huge upgrade. So thank you to all the reviews. We had six reviews come in, see? And I will read them all. And Maybe it might be separated in the show, but uh, we appreciate them enough. And if you leave a review on Apple, we will read it. Um, next week so uh exciting i think stuff. we should have a shout out here because what three or four of those were from people who live outside the kansas city area and i think that's a, a thing to remember about what we do here at arrowhead pride is that it's a way for people who live outside of kansas city to keep up with their favorite team so a shout out to all of you out there in the hinterlands who depend on us we know that you're out there <laughs> and we work hard to bring you the best coverage i like that I, I yeah. don't know what you said, but I like it. All right. <laughs> He's John Dixon. Uh, thank you to Steven Serta for, for producing this bad boy for us and producing everything on the Airhead Pride uh, Podcast Network. As we have said, leave us a rating and review coming up this week. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Drive. Great British Chiefs show. We'll have an interview series show on BK. I believe BK is back this week after the wedding, so we'll see how his, his honeymoon went. Um, <laughs> good to have him back. <laughs> Because I know that show and Serta certainly need him. All right, that's it for the uh, Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We once again thank you for listening. <laughs>